0: welcome to medsider where you can learn from experienced medical device and med tech experts through uncut and unedited interviews now here's your host scott nelson
1: Hey there ladies and gents, it's Scott, and welcome to another edition of Medsider. Before we get started with this interview with Mark Duvall, just a few quick messages. First, if you've enjoyed these interviews over the past several years, maybe it's been four or five uh, for some of you, please head on over to iTunes and rate the podcast. It's relatively simple to do. Once you're in iTunes, you should see a little blue button uh, that's labeled uh, Rate or Review uh, next to the Medsider podcast. Uh, and then, just get just just rate us or or, or review us. Um, it It really helps out in terms of increasing the visibility for Medsider radio. So uh, either you can do it now or maybe after this interview, head on over to iTunes and uh, do us a favor. Second message is in regards to our email newsletter. Now, if you want to be notified when these interviews go live, just head on over to medsider uh, that's M E D. S-I-D-E-R, medsider.com, and subscribe to the newsletter. It's completely free, and that way you'll be notified uh, whenever these interviews go live. All right, so on to the interview with Mark Duvall. Uh, We are going to learn about the recent First Amendment cases, or free speech cases, uh, that the government has lost, and what the outcomes mean for medtech companies moving forward. Uh, We're going to discuss the criminal cases, or the recent criminal case, I should say, against vascular solutions, and why everyone in medtech should pay attention why the government's focus on speech versus conduct is so important. Uh, The government's recent recognition that off-label promotion is legal, as long as it's wholly truthful and not misleading. Yes, you heard that right. Off-label promotion is legal, uh, as noted in this recent Vascular Solutions case. Uh, And then Mark's advice for medtech leaders uh, in light of the government's losses to these uh, aforementioned First Amendment cases uh, and and how they should respond moving forward. Uh, So... Mark is a fantastic interviewee, uh, very, not only is he very intelligent, but also very, very personable uh, and, and presents uh, in, a, in a fantastic way. Uh, and Before we get down to the, the actual interview, I'll give you a little bit more of a background in regards to Mark himself. He's the president of Duval & Associates, uh, a law firm dedicated to counseling companies in the medical device, pharmaceutical, biotech, food, and nutritional supplement industries. And Prior to founding the firm, uh, Mark was general counsel for 3M Pharmaceuticals and Drug Delivery Systems. Uh, working both domestically and internationally, Mark is a frequent national speaker and writer on issues related to product approvals, clearances, combination products, product advertising and promotion, anti kickback, and false claims matters. So, without further ado, here's the interview with Mark. Mark, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you, Scott. I'm looking forward to it.
1: All right, let's uh, let's dive in. Talk all things uh, off-label promotion. And where we stand today with uh, with the FDA. So, uh, we'll start with one of your recent client alert newsletters, which I, uh, I highly recommend um, anyone subscribe to if they're if they're interested in, in keeping up to date with some of this stuff. But in one of those newsletters, you uh, loosely compared Howard Root, who's the CEO of Vascular Solutions, you compared him to Louis uh, Zamperini, who, as many know, is the uh, the main character from the movie Unbroken. And I think actually in that same piece, uh, you uh, you quoted uh, Howard Root as a uh, as uh, let me pull up the quote here. It's uh, I think Howard stated this is the most decisive victory since Operation Desert Storm at only slightly slightly greater expense, which I thought was an interesting quote. So, uh, w- with that said, or I guess with those two points in mind, um, let's dig into this this recent vascular uh, solutions case. Um, and for those of, for those that aren't aware of it, can you kind of provide a high level overview first, and then we'll kind of dig into some of the key takeaways?
0: You bet. Yeah. Well, the vascular solution case in, involved the Verilase product, um, and if I were to summarize, I think I you know it's basically the, it's the, the bright tip, and its counsel was indicated for the treatment of varicose veins and, and varicosities that are associated with the great saphenous vein and for the treatment of incompetence and reflux of su- superficial veins in the lower extremity, and the government um, was uh, basically had said that they were promoting outside the the, the the cleared indication. And as you know, when you get a, a general intended use statement cleared from the agency, it's like an umbrella, if you will. And under that umbrella, there's a collection or a bundle of specific indication uh, indications for use for to which the product could be put. And sometimes you're debating with the agency, is something, an indication that falls under the protective reach of the umbrella and is outside uh, uh, from the elements, protected from the elements, um, and is deemed on-label, or is it outside the protective reach of the umbrella and is deemed off-label? And so that's often the dispute you're getting into. And so let me give you an example. If you have a, an, a, a devices that are cleared for ablating soft tissue, if you say that they're used to ablate cardiac tissue, that's still soft tissue, but is that on or off label in the FDA's mind? And if you say it's to, to uh, treat car, uh, atrial fibrillation, then is that on or off label? Well, in that case, the FDA would definitely say the tool for ablation has definitely become the treatment for a disease state or condition. And so we're often, that's the conundrum we're often getting in with the agency is when you get a clear and intended use statement, it seems like you're you're cleared um, for absolutely everything, but you can pro- promote it for nothing. And so that's the when we're working with management teams, that's often the dilemma with which we're faced, and I help them navigate through that, uh, promotionally speaking, and say, what can we talk about for our device, and what what, what can't we say? So with Vastgear Solutions, that's precisely what they got into. They had a short kit, a shorter version of the Verilase Procedure Kit to be used in treating short vein segments and then some representatives were talking about using it in the perforator, which the FDA viewed as a shorter segment that um presented more problems than just a regular um a regular varicose vein and, and required an, an another clearance. Um and so that was sort of the, the, the gravum and that was sort of the, the core of the dispute and uh um, they went to. They basically went to court over that, and the the, the company originally paid a five hundred twenty thousand dollars settlement, a civil settlement, to sort of get it, you know, buy its way out of it and seek peace with the government. But they kept pursuing it. They decided to make it a criminal matter and indict both Howard Root as well as the company, and yep. and that's the genesis for the case.
1: Got it. And this this was. I mean, just to so just kind of in summary, Vascular Solutions had this product that was indicated for uh, uh, for kind of the, the uh, the, the, ablation of, 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 varicose vein or soft tissue. And, and yet, you know, there, it was, um, oftentimes being used for shorter segments and that fell kind of into that, that gray area of, you know, is this on label? Is this off label? You know, how, how far, you know, is this outside of the scope of this, you know, the general indications for use for this product, you know, vascular, you know, vascular solutions, you know, then proceeded to, to settle a, 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 a civil Case with the with with the government, but the government then took a step further, basically, and and uh, and decided to, to pursue you know criminal action against Va- uh, Howard Root, who's the CEO, as well as Vascular Solutions. Is that kind of? Do I have that exactly right,
0: right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I remember a year before the case, uh, you know, was going going actually going to trial. Howard and his uh, public relations expert, crisis management expert, John Austin asked me if I would be an outside unpaid independent spokesperson uh to whom they could direct you know media inquiries to talk about this stuff and I and I acquiesced to that I had no, I've never had a financial relationship still don't with with Howard Root. we just we've actually become uh, friends through all of this I uh, i been a social acquaintance with them at different CEO VC meetings etc industry tech meetings but so I got Funneled everything in real time so that I could respond to the Wall Street Journal, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, or whomever might have questions about the case. And it was just interesting. I remember saying a year ago, or a year before the case, I said, Howard, just, you know, don't, you don't have to concede that this is off label. You know, this under FDA's general versus specific use guidance document, I feel very firmly, very firmly that this is an on label use. And if you interpret that guidance properly, and in fact, that's what they did in defense. And the crazy thing, the crazy thing about the defense was they, they rested after the prosecution's case. to can imagine that the defense, who had 20 witnesses lined up, actually, after the prosecution rested case, they also rest, which just made the, the jaw of <laughs> the judge drop as well as the prosecu- prosecuting attorneys. And so uh, presented they- no cases because they felt they had done a good enough job on cross-examination and case in point. They took Dr. Neil Ogden. Who was a branch chief with whom I work a lot, and he's a very highly respected, honest guy. And he testified honestly. They basically led him through a path of cross examination that got him to admit that the the use in perforator veins could be considered on label. Well, that destroyed the FDA's case right there. But that's the kind of stuff that goes on in these cases. But it was it was a fascinating case to follow. And you know, they basically took him to the general versus specific use guidance, and also a modifications guidance. That suggested that in interpreting either of those, you could one could conclude through FDA's own guidance document that these, this per- use in perforators was on label. So, got it. Uh, they did a ma- they did a masterful job of that that in that case, the King and Spaulding lawyers, as well as uh, the Frederickson and Byron lawyers.
1: Got it. That that's interesting. And, and just, just to clarify at one point you, that that you mentioned, the prosecution went through. So the government in this situation, that the prosecution went through their entire, you know, their entire list of, of, uh, of witnesses to, to, you know, to basically testify. And the, uh, uh, the defense, you know, had their, their series of, of, of witnesses as well that they had said, but they didn't have to bring any, any to the, uh, any to the stand. They just solely relied on their craft, you know, the cross-examination of the prosecution's witnesses and, uh, and they they won decisively. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's, it's gutsy, it's risky, to do that because wouldn't you be tempted to say, gee, I don't know. Have we done it? Have we done a good enough judge? Should we put on our witnesses? We're all prepped and ready to do that. But I said, no, it might be better to leave uh, well off alone and uh, just go with what's been presented. And, boy, they called it right. And, you know, the guy's unanimous, 12 to 0 verdict. So it was pretty spectacular when you think about it. But it also shows the great deficiency and arrogance of the government's position to not – to be so blindsided that, you know, that they the defense didn't even have to put on a defense in order to win the case.
1: Right, right, no doubt. So let's let's. Uh, I mean, certainly an interesting case and a lot of, on a lot of different fronts. But in that client uh, uh, alert newsletter that I mentioned earlier, you you kind of laid out three different key takeaways uh, uh, or, or three different you know major implications for uh, for med tech companies. And the first one was that the government's focus on speech uh, versus conduct. So can you, can you kind of outline, uh, that, that key point and then we'll, we'll get to the other two here in a second.
0: Yeah, this is, so the government, you have to recognize that there's, there's cases that have gone before the Howard root vascular solutions case and that'd be the, um, the IMS versus Sorrell case and the Coronia case and Ameren and Pesera cases. And so this is in a lineage of cases and losses for the federal government. Um, they have sort of segued over the time they've been trying to prosecute the speech and basically the government or the the judiciary has basically said look you know if you're admitting government that it's truthful and not misleading speech that cannot be the basis for a misbranding and adulteration case okay and so they've disabused the government of that idea that they can use speech so what the government has fancifully turned to is that well we're not going to prosecute speech anymore, but the conduct underlying that speech. So, in, in the case of Howard Root and Vascular Solutions, um, this is the ki- These are the kinds of conduct that they tried to prosecute. They tried to prosecute six different things: the defendant's decision to launch a special kit designed specifically for perforator veins, uh, which was in response to a competitive threat; the, their manufacturer of that kit with perforator-specific modifications. Uh, Number three, their application to to the FDA for clearance in and of itself was conduct. Uh, Number four, uh, and by the way, when they made it, they they sought clearance for the use in the perforator veins and didn't get it because they didn't like their clinical trial. Um, I didn't even think, by the way, the company needed to submit for an additional 510K to get that clearance, and indeed, the courts agreed. Uh, Number four, their investment in a clinical trial for the purpose of gaining that clearance. Number five, their decision to launch the product without clearance while adding new deficient deficient directions for perforator use to the labeling. And finally, their efforts, what the FDA said, or the government, the U.S. attorneys actually said their efforts to defraud the United States by concealing and lying about their perforator sales activity. They said these points of conduct are what we're really prosecuting, not the speech. Well, the courts in this case and uniformly have pretty pretty basically said, look, it's the interesting about the theory is that none of the conduct really becomes actionable, of course, until there's a, there's a speech or a communication that's made to the outside world, out, out, a world outside the company to effectuate the conduct. So basically what Judge Lambert has said in the past is that the regulation of marketing and, and, and promotional activities and the regulation of conduct, you can only regulate conduct to the extent that moving one's lips is conduct or to the extent that affixing a stamp and distributing information to the mails is conduct. You, you know, It's ridiculous to think you can get indirectly at something we're telling you you can't do directly. The conduct is really synonymous with the speech. So it was a fanciful theory. The government keeps trying, and it has lost on, on that grounds now, and that's a Got very it. important Basis for their prosecution.
1: So, Mark, just to be clear, you you laid out kind of six different points uh, or six different kind of points of conduct that the prosecution addressed in the trial, and you're saying because Vascular Solutions really didn't ever, you know, uh, you know, present that or or market based on some of these things, it really wasn't conduct, right? Uh, or re- I should sorry, it was it really wasn't ever speech versus, you know, conduct. Um, is am I kind of understanding that correctly?
0: Well, it doesn't become actionable. None of the conduct becomes actionable until there's communication to the outside world. And once there's communication to the outside world, that's effectuated through speech, and speech is not prosecutable if it's truthful and not misleading. So if you follow that syllogism, that's how the judge basically said, you can't prosecute this conduct. You're You're getting at this, trying to get at it indirectly. Well, I've not allowed you to do directly. Conduct will eventually be speech.
1: Sure. Okay, that makes that makes sense. All right, so so that the second point I think that, that you, that you called out if we if we can move on to that one was was the uh, the recognition of of off label promotion within the actual jury instructions in this particular case. So can you kind of uh, provide a provide us with some background on that point as well?
0: Yeah, well, this really rocked my world, and I think a lot of uh, insiders who are really are counseling companies like I am, and if like just before the case. Um, There have been some motions to dismiss, and and, uh, the the King and Spalding team did a brilliant job of sort of forcing the government's hand at declaring what their position was. But at at the very end, because they had so hammered them that you can't use truthful and not not misleading speech as a basis for prosecution, they ended up agreeing to a jury instruction that blew me away. Because we've always heard about off-label dissemination, but we've never heard about a theory or a concept of off-label promotion. And so what, if you'll permit me, I'm just going to read, it's very short. I'm going to read this jury instruction because it's going to blow you away too when you appreciate it.
1: Sure. So these were the instructions to the actual jury in the in the trial, on this particular yeah, was, trial.
0: This is what was uh, acquiesced to by the prosecution, the U.S. government. So they uttered these words for the first time ever. Doctors may use medical devices that have been approved or cleared for one use or for for a different use that has not been cleared or approved by the FDA. We all know that. It goes on to say, this is often often, uh, for an unapproved or off-label use. This is not illegal. Now listen to this. It is also not a crime for a device company or its representative to give doctors wholly truthful and non-misleading information about the unapproved use of a device. Wow, I can't believe that. If you find that Vascular's promotional speech to doctors was solely truthful and not misleading, then you must find the defendants not guilty of the misbranding offense. That rocked my world and a lot of experts who are following. In fact, I know an article came out that day in the trade press about it saying, wow, the government just chronicled their position that off-label promotion could be lawful. And so that it stands for that proposition today. That's the first time it's ever been uttered by the government. And now it's in a, it's within the context of a jury instruction. And it's, it's a really, it's a really, um, important concept that that they've just uttered.
1: Right. Yeah. I I can definitely see the importance of, of that particular point. Maybe maybe the most important point of these, of these three that we're covering right now. So, so the first one was, was kind of the government's focus on speech versus conduct. The second point that you just covered was this, this, uh, you know the, this—the way the the uh, the instructions were addressed to the jury in terms of of, of being able to um, a medical device company's ability to uh, promote a message that's wholly truthful, right? Uh, you know this this concept of, of off-label promotion, and, and and the third point was was specific to the the uh, FDA's interpretation of uh, of general versus specific use. So can you can you tell us a little bit more about that third point?
0: Yeah, and that's going back to the point I made about, you know, when they cross-examined, uh, Neil Ogden, who was the branch chief, um, and they got him to basically admit that it was an off-label or an on-label use by just, the, the defense counsel just literally took him through, you know, the package insert and they talked about, so they talked about the, the, the indications for use statement. They said, you know, it refers to the ablation of soft tissue. Yes. And if, and you'd agree that the veins are soft tissue correct. Yes. The great saphenous vein is made up of soft tissue. Yes, correct. Correct. The, the short saphenous vein is made up of soft tissue. Correct. The perforator veins are made up of soft tissue. Correct. And tributary veins are made up of soft tissue. Correct. And the second part of the clearance refers to varicose veins, and they took them down that path, that yes, perforator veins could be varicose veins. And they basically entrapped the branch chief into indirectly admitting that this could be an on-label use. And they also did it with the outside clinician, and they also, that, that the government put on as a, as a witness. And so, through a number of witnesses, they essentially established that this use, if it wasn't on label, certainly could be on label. And they challenged FDA's parsing of its general versus specific use guidance document, which is, like I said, it often allows for the clearance of the device that can be arguably used anywhere. But can be promoted nowhere specifically. Sure. So it was uh, that was also pretty pretty uh, fun to to watch how they masterfully, uh, you know, cross-examine the government's witnesses.
1: Got it. That that's a uh, those are those are three really really uh, important takeaways. And so I want I want to get to the uh, I, towards the end of this conversation, we'll get to to kind of summarize, you know, what this all means for for medical device companies and how how your you know your firm. Uh, you know we'll be using this particular case moving forward, but just to kind of wrap up and, and, and put a bow on on this vascular solution story because I, I think it's, um, you know, hearing you describe it because I've, I've heard you present on this, uh, you know, in, in the past. And this was no small task for for vascular solutions nor nor Howard Root. I mentioned that 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 quote. You know, you quoted him earlier. You know, uh, mentioning something about the, the cost of this, but it wasn't just the hefty cost. It was also the 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 personal implications to Howard Hood himself. I mean, this could have potentially meant jail time as well. But he chose to he chose to sort of dig his heels in and and uh, and 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 pursue this. Um, so I I think I'd like to just get your take on that, you know, and and um and 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 maybe just kind of you know summarize summarize the case in general with that in light.
0: I will. Um, first of all, you have to start from the macro view that the government sort of um, has this has this uh, expectation. That companies, when they encounter a, you know, allegations like this and criminal allegations and an indictment, are simply going to roll over, and that you know they do that for, for purposes of preserving the stock price or at least recouping the stock price uh, to getting matters behind them. And um, so the government, the, the, incent, the, the system, and the power of the government is completely designed and built through the. The, the actual challenge that's being made by the filing of the case and that the companies will of of necessarily fold and they'll agree to a consent decree and they'll pay a big fine. And maybe some people will be debarred. Uh, you know, the CEO would be fired in this case and maybe some employees. Um, but this board of directors, uh, John Erb I know is the, is the chairman and, um, and this CEO were incredibly brave. And one of the things I know that, you know, Howard actually has said, you know, I, I could have we could have settled for some money, we could have settled for some limited, you know, uh maybe pled to a misdemeanor or whatever. But they were gonna to continue to pursue and try to debar four of their employees and the government they just felt as a company they needed to stand behind their people. And that they couldn't let the government run amok and they finally de- decided to take a principled stand. And I'll tell you, I told Howard all the way through this case, I would write them emails, and I'd just say, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you and your wife. I mean, this has got to be difficult, and what they were individually going through, because uh, you can't imagine the specter of, you know, actually losing and going to jail. But, you know, they really felt, And I, but I always also told them the same email, I believe in your case. Just, yeah. you, you guys are going to win, and I believe very, you know, I believe in the jury, and, and the jury did him proud but uh boy a lot of risk yeah he really faced a lot of personal exposure let's face it mm-hmm. and uh they stood up fought and they won and and, they, and now he's just got he's, he's gained you know such notoriety he's getting invited to speak all over the place and i'm getting invited to speak with him all over the place it's been fun uh we just were on reason Uh, TV, which is an online content provider that did a documentary on this, so it's uh, been fun
1: yeah that, on that note yeah i'm glad you mentioned that documentary because i i think you had forwarded me a, a link to that but i would encourage everyone that's listening go go check that out yeah i'm, I'm sure it's pretty easy to find you just do google search for reason tv you know vascular solutions documentary of, of some sort is probably pretty easy but that's a it's a great piece um and i, I would definitely highly recommend everyone everyone to, to listen to that and I, I i just you know i remember hearing you talk about this case uh for the first time at, at a local meeting here in minneapolis and i know you were it you could you could see that you were pretty passionate about it but i I just didn't under i personally didn't understand sort of the i'd heard about it in the news but really didn't understand kind of the the nuances of the case and what it meant but just to just to kind of fully you know try to fully grasp you know the the stance that vascular solutions took howard root took and um you know i i don't know i mean i I know vascular solutions but certainly i don't know howard root personally but it's just it's just cool i mean from a you know if you're in the med tech space um it's just it's just cool to see you know a company take you know, especially a public company <laughs> take a, yeah. a you know a principled stance you know and and, and you know to, to see that they actually ended up winning in such decisive fashion is it's just it's, it's cool cool to see.
0: And you know Scott, it's kind of interesting because uh, this company took a reactive stance and, and fought and defended itself. But there's other companies you know recently, particularly in the pharmaceutical arena, and I'm speaking specifically of Amarin and Piscira. Who proactively filed or preemptively filed suit against the government to establish their position um, before it ever really got, you know, rolling into a potential for both civil and criminal penalties. And you know, you give those companies a lot of credit for going out there and say, staking out their position and winning. So again, the, the, uh, there's a high level of inertia going against the government. They keep losing these First Amendment cases. And I, you probably don't know this, but I want to alert you to this that just yesterday, the government, um, how, I think it's the Health Energy, let me pull it up here. Uh, I got it right in front of me. Sure. Uh, the the House uh, Committee on Energy and Commerce has just sent a letter to Secretary Sylvia Burwell, uh, Secretary of HHS, essentially asking their, uh, them uh, why they can't get their act together on a you know policy positions on this off-label promotion issue, and they they, they chronicle in the letter, which was written again just yesterday, uh, the Coronia case, and they talk about the Howard Root Vascular Solutions case, and they talk about the IMS case. And at the end of it, if you'll permit me, I'll just this is a very short. I'll read it. Um, sure. They they basically say you keep, you keep taking the position, you keep every time we tell you, and they're working on new legislation, by the way, that would help define how this information through the 21st century cures legislation that's coming up uh, for consideration. Uh, they're, they're inviting, they've invited, uh, they've got legislative, draft legislative language that defines intended use and it defines what can be, you know, promoted and disseminated, et cetera. But the, but the HHS and FDA keep fighting that position and, he, and they say the fact that such rhetorical ire was, is focused on such common sense change is somewhat surprising, particularly given that the provision in question specifically requires, quote, a conspicuous and prominent statement describing any material differences between the information to be provided and the approved labeling, unquote. It did, however, confirm our suspicions that HHS has become reflexively opposed to enabling FDA to make even minor policy changes in this space, despite their legal footing continuing to crumble. It also shows why it is becoming increasingly apparent that Congress must act, and it says the committee is basically going to start considering this, and they 've asked that they contact uh, John Stone from the committee staff to schedule a briefing so that they can talk to the agency and the secretary about what the heck is going on here. You keep promising new guidance on this, and yet you keep you know prosecuting the industry um, for off, you know off label promotion and so and that was signed by. Fred Upton, who's the chairman of that committee, and Joseph Pitts, who's chairman of the subcommittee on health, with, uh, uh, with a Democrat on it, as well as Honorable Frank Pallone, who's the ranking member. So that's brand new news, and we're going to see where that takes us. They're yeah. basically inviting them to come talk to them, because if their suggestion is, if you can't get your act together, we're going to do it for you.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that, that's certainly interesting news, especially considering it, <laughs> it just came out. It seems like I mean, it does seem like if you keep up with 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 med tech at all, it does seem like you know this is we've almost reached a you know a, kind of a, a snowball. Um, you know, this is like a snowball heading downhill. We've kind of you know got to a point where there's there's some momentum here for for some some uh, some significant change. I'm not sure if that's a fair fair way to say it. That's maybe my own my own my own opinion, but uh, it definitely seems like that. And I know. Um, just to, I don't think we'll have time to kind of get into some of these other cases that you had mentioned, you know, like, uh, like Sorrel versus IMS. And I think you mentioned, uh, Caronia, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but, but maybe, yeah. maybe if, you know, just, just real quickly, just to kind of, um, you mentioned, you know, Ameren was a, was a recent one. So can you maybe just briefly kind of cover the, the, the three, um, maybe some key points from the Ameren case, and then we'll, we'll kind of just, you know, wrap up this conversation for what it means, uh, for, for med tech companies moving forward.
0: Yeah. The, the, well, this is this is a case that where the the company preemptively filed suit against the agency and it was basically a prescription version of a fish oil pill you know and uh for which they were are sold as a dietary supplement and it comes with a disclaimer that it, you would see on dietary supplements they simply wanted to use that same disclaimer and mentions make mention of their clinical trial and uh some of the other uh, clinical trial data that was in the literature to talk about the use of uh, basically EPA and, and DHA omega-3 fatty acids that are in fish oil pills, and the agency wouldn't allow it, which is ridiculous. He said, "Well, the regulatory regime for dietary supplements is different than prescription drugs, but the point that the gov- that the the company was making in defense is, look, the truth is the truth. Either this disclaimer uh, pro- provided for dietary supplements is equally applicable." To the prescription version or not? I mean, it, and we should be able to use it in our promotion as well. And so, they lost big time. The government, uh, basically, the the judge allowed them to to uh, use that that um, disclaimer and and talk about some of the other data that's available on that. And the, it's funny because the 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 government Amarin wanted a certain disclaimer that they proposed to the judge. Then the FDA countered with another disclaimer that they wanted to the judge, and then the judge fashioned his own disclaimer and said, "This is what you're going to use." and But he said also that if if uh, if there's other other truthful not misleading information comes to the fore, then we would pursue further refinements to this disclaimer. but as, essentially, the judge is allowing the information to be in the labeling or in the promotion, I should say. But with certain disclosures and disclaimers that would make, render it wholly truthful and not misleading, which was the standard the judge also had in the Howard Root Vascular Solutions case.
1: Got it. Yeah, and I I know the, uh, in your client uh, alert newsletter, you kind of went through those those different scenarios where, and and the final sort of... uh, you know, copy or messaging that the, that the judge allowed. And it was, it was significantly, I thought it was anyway, significantly different than what, you know, what the, uh, the prosecution or the government initially wanted. So I thought it was a lot more reasonable to be honest Um, and, and easier to understand, you know, uh, from a, you know, purely a kind of a patient's, a patient's perspective.
0: Yeah. they did a good job. I, you know, again, if, in by the way, if anybody out there needs, wants to look at our claimers on any or all of these topics, just go to our website at, at at Duval, uh, FDA law.com
1: got it. Is it it's du well, on that note i I'll, I'll cover that towards the end but on that note it's it's duval d u v a l duval what was the website again
0: yeah uh, duval f d a law.com in and food and drug administration
1: got it and if you go to the show notes for this uh for this particular interview we'll we'll definitely link link uh to mark's website as well uh mark's mark's practice's website i should say um very good. So, so, um, you know, just to, just, uh, you know, we probably don't, like I said before, we don't have a, a lot more time to kind of really go into the details of the, of the Sorrel versus the Sorel versus IMS case or the, the Cronia case. But when you think about those, those cases and, and the, you know, setting the stage for, you know, the, the, the vascular solutions, Howard root case, you know, what, what are you, you know, how is your firm, um, you know, when you work with medical device companies, how are you taking all of this information and, and, and what's, what's sort of the, uh the advice uh, your advice moving forward for most uh most uh device companies
0: well um i I'd, I'd say what we were what we try and tell good management teams all the time is you first of all you need to sit down and understand the this landscape and that it's evolving and it's not business as usual and the government's not going to stop looking at things, but they are, there is some trepidation. I mean, I had one large client, for example, we decided we were going to write the FDA proactively and we're going to tell them we thought our use of this device uh, in this particular indication was on label and here's why. And we stated the reasons for and set forth a legal analysis. And we said, look, we'd like to hear back from you. We don't want you to, I know the people in the office of prescription, or excuse me, in the, the promotional and advertising policy staff at CDRH. And I just said, look, we, to Tony Stefano, we'd like to know from you if you disagree with our analysis. But we're going to be, my client's going to be promoting this, and we'd like not to receive a warning letter if you disagree. So different companies are diffing, taking different strategies. And by the way, that that has gone on for four months, and the company has been promoting it lawfully uh, during that time. And the FDA they got back to us and said, hey, we're Mark, we're not going to answer this because we're, it's kind of a one-off, and we're trying to reformulate our position generally. And it, so you're. Request transcends an, an, an industry need to define this area, but I tell management teams all the time: you're you're going to be you got to sit down and not let your sales and marketing organization be exposed. You need to um, you know give them some definition of what you believe the general umbrella and the specific indication uh, indication statements are that you're going to promote, so that they don't feel like they're ever exposed. And and you have to figure out sometimes you know that this is on label. Sometimes you believe it's on label, but FDA may disagree, and sometimes you believe it's on label, but, it you, uh, but FDA is disagreeing with you actively, and you have to decide where are we going to draw the lines and how aggressive are we going to be? Fortunately, the lines seem to be being blurred now because we have this concept of off-label promotion, which we never used to have before. and. The government, through its jury instruction in the vascular solutions case, has said, you know, we can provide information about off-label uses if it's set in a – put in context, so such that it's wholly truthful and not not misleading. What wholly truthful means in the eyes of the government versus industry uh, is going to be tested going forward, but we need to consider that. So I just take management teams through that analysis all the time, and we figure out how aggressive do we want to be in promotion and we look at the full panoply of promotional efforts, from, you know, sales representative uh, work to, to the establishment and creation of sales collateral materials, to your website, to your booth panels, to your social media and website presence, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To you know, providing grants for a physician-initiated uses or grants for CME courses on off-label uses. You know, let's look at every way in which you're communicating or touching. Interfacing with the marketplace, and what can we do to lawfully be appropriately aggressive yet compliant in all that you say and do
1: got it uh very good that, I think that's extremely helpful and again for everyone that's uh you know if you're kind of digging this this topic and want to know more i I mean definitely encourage you to go to 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 uh, uh, um, the marks practices uh, their their website you know, uh, Duval FDA and subscribe to those, those client uh, alert newsletters. Um, you'll, I, I think it's, it's not your typical kind of like legal regulatory sort of, sort of content. You know, they're actually really enjoyable to read, uh, and information, you know, very informational at the same time. So definitely encourage everyone to do that. Uh, Mark, I can, I know we, we talked about this a little bit in the pre pre-interview, but you've got a, a unique, uh, a unique way to be very straightforward, uh, but do it in a kind of a, a relaxed personal way, you know? So I, I, I think, uh, I think I, I just, I've always been a fan of yours. So um, let's, let's kind of let, wrap this up for the sake of time. And we'll get to the, kind of the, the last uh, three rapid fire questions. The the rapid fire questions don't necessarily have to be rapid fire answers per se, um, but we'll get to those now and, and kind of, uh, and conclude, conclude this conversation. So first Mark, what's your favorite nonfiction business book?
0: Yeah, <laughs> That's kind of funny. I looked at that. And I, th- I really don't have one. I I, I would say this. Um, I try to conduct my affairs and my life through the Bible. And, you know, that's probably an odd answer for this interview, but I got to that by way um, of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that that, that book, because it talks about the servant leadership qualities of Jesus. So I I try to conduct myself that way. But the book I'm next getting to um, is um, True North by Bill George. And uh, I know I work for Bill. I, I saw him at a book sign at a if, where he made a presentation, and he signed my book, my True North book. And I can't wait to get it because he's a man who approaches life from a faith perspective as
1: well. Got it. Very good. Uh, I think a lot of people will appreciate that 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 take. Uh, so, second question: Is there a business leader uh, that you're you're following right now, or one that uh, that that's inspiring to you?
0: You know, that's a, that was a great question too. And not there's not a singular business leader I follow. I love the clientele I have. I'm, I work with an amazing array. We've had 730 clients over my 13 years, and I work with an amazing array of CEOs and VCs. And I just it never cease to amaze me what I can learn just by being working in and around these people. And that's the people that inspire me. And I love, I love my clientele, and I think I learn a lot from them. And I, I'd like to think they learn from me as well.
1: Sure, that's cool. Uh, and then lastly, uh, when thinking about your career in uh, in healthcare, if we had the option to to rewind the clock. Uh, what's the one piece of advice you tell your 30-year-old self?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, you you never—I I got here without a, a predefined path or thought. It's just like uh, I just worked hard. I was intellectually curious about everything that I did, and I tried to, you know, do everything with excellence and passion. And ultimately, you know, it just seems like you know you get led to the place you should be. And uh, I think that's how I got here. I thank God for where I'm at. My practice is super fun and I have a great uh great people working for me and around me and uh continue to continue to grow and I just enjoy what I'm doing it's a blast to be honest to be it's a privilege to be in this industry knowing that you're developing uh devices and drugs and and other products that that save and help people's lives
1: Got it. Very good. Uh, So Mark, I'll have you hold on the line here in a second as I as I conclude this. But uh, but thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. Again, everyone go to uh, uh, DuvalFDALaw.com and and subscribe to those client alert newsletters. You won't be uh, you won't be disappointed. They're really good. Uh, and then if you, if you get a chance, um, please rate this, uh, this show in iTunes. It really helps out, helps us out in terms of increasing, you know, the, the visibility for the MedSider podcast. And if you want all of these interviews delivered to your inbox, uh, whenever they go live, just go to medsider.com and, and, uh, and sign up to the, to the, to the email newsletter. Uh, it's totally free. Uh, I don't, I won't kill you with, uh, I won't kill your inbox. Uh, I don't send them out too, too often, And but when I do, I, uh. I try to make sure they're valuable. So uh, with that said, uh, thanks for your listening attention. uh, And it's next uh, episode of Medsider, Everyone take care.